and we're live. Welcome to another episode of Tectonic Shift with me, Rajni Kamath. And me, Roshni Nair. So, Roshni, you know, we're towards the end of the month. How many mm-hmm. issues of the signal have we published so far? Why are you asking me a trick question? I don't know the figure off the top of my head. <laughs> this no, is just because, like starting with an absolute blinder. Yeah, because what's not a trick question is just how many times there's a Beju story. That's a, that's a really good <laughs> entry, Rajneel. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yeah. You know, after reading all these stories, to me, it seems like Bejo's is a ship with a hole in the bottom and suddenly all the rats are jumping off. <laughs> I, I actually misheard what you said, but even that analogy would make sense. What did you hear? I heard it's a shit with a bottom, which is true. <laughs> Sorry, please don't sue us. Okay, obviously today's episode is about the SH asterisk T with a bottom. Uh, Baijus, but also the state of tech and education in India. And where the hell is this thing headed, right? Um, this is the episode where the meme, how it started and how it's going is going to come into fruition. It's the Hindi song of Kya Se Kya Ho Gaya, Dekhte Dekhte. It's like every time I think there's a news break about Baijus and maybe we'll be able to breathe for a day. I am always proven wrong. Just yesterday, there was an update. And then today morning, actually, uh, so we were going to treat this episode very differently. But there are new uh, breaks about Baiju's. And by the time you guys hear this, I don't know what's going to happen in the next few hours, minutes, whatever. But earlier this week, um, we got to know that apparently Baiju's co-founder, Baiju Ravindran, started crying in April during an investor call. I think around around the time the enforcement directorate was uh, raiding the company offices on suspicions of um, money laundering or, you know, foreign exchange violations, etc., Charges have not been pressed, but um, in June alone, three board members, damn it, um, one representing Process, another representing Peak 15 Partners and the Chang Zuckerberg Initiative. Um, So three investors have essentially said your governance and due diligence is really, really horrifying to say the least. Of course, not verbatim. Uh, but that is where the company stands. Um, it's, it, it, it's so com- one more one one more Peak Fifteen company bites the bullet. Yeah. By the way, for uh, those of you who don't know, Peak Fifteen is uh, Sequoia Capital India renamed, and Sequoia Capital was one of the earliest investors in Byju's. And uh, right now, as it stands, the company is on a 1.2 billion term loan B. It's it's involved in a legal tussle with U.S. investors. Um, and uh, funnily enough, it claimed that the that you know the lenders were indulging in quote unquote predatory practices. And we are going to come to why <laughs> why of that course. is irony personified. But uh, the, you know, uh, lo- the long and short of it is, this is a company that is in debt and it's got so many lifelines i am seriously baffled as to how it is still standing today and what does this tell us um about it? the irony you know roshni of 
having predatory sales practices to throw others into debt and then accusing your debtors of the same what goes around comes around oh god absolutely let's let's uh, go back go a little back in time to when it things didn't seem so problematic so in 2011 byju ravindran uh, establishes think and non private limited 2015 uh, they launch the learning app and well they are there they're doing fine right they i i think before the pandemic uh, before covid-19 they had over 40 million users and almost 3 million paid subscribers which is not bad and then covid happens and they, oh my god it's a gold rush it turns out it's a flash in the pan not just for byjus but for everybody else which is white hat junior oh another company i really love and uh, unacademy about the predatory lending um for uh, you know i i don't think we need to harp on this too much uh, i think the media to the to its credit has done a good job especially yep. certain publications we will link some of them in the show notes about um you know horrifying horrifying tales and i'm going to read one incident uh, in particular rajneel because i read it and i actually it was like a knife through the heart go ahead it comes from a rest of the world rest of world story and it goes like this it, it's a sales per- byju sales person recounting why he left the company okay quoting from the story my last sale was to a driver whose boss gave him a phone The driver had only 700 rupees in his account when he signed up for a subscription for his only child. His boss paid the down payment and deducted it from his monthly salary. His wife then said, "I'll work 24/7 for this course." That was the day I resigned. Uh so what happens is uh because the because eventually you figure out that the pandemic is only going to give you so much of a fillip you get desperate and you start pushing your product to people who can't afford it uh so the app byju starts tying up with um loan companies and what happens is parents who have no idea what they are signing up for don't know that they've signed up into a debt trap and this is one of those incidents and there yeah. are many other examples yeah. of you know pushy salesmen sales people and you can't even blame them because that, those are the targets they are being forced to achieve uh if they don't achieve targets and if they don't uh work a certain way they are yelled at by their managers you know there are incidents of a toxic uh, culture where people are yelled at and subject to verbal abuse and all these stories start coming out and now there are videos as well that we are seeing oh god what what video did you see former employees really pissed off really angry mm-hmm. uh the company not paying its dues you already know for example they've uh, had multiple rounds of layoffs um they've given up their prime uh, real estate in terms of offices in bangalore and in delhi mm-hmm. uh even i think they had acquired akash and that acquisition is not panning out too well mm-hmm. and akash which was actually doing very well is now seeing empty classrooms yeah absolutely even byju tuition centers i mean right now as it stands uh, the employees are actually striking against the management right of that particular vertical and the larger company as a whole you know it's strange for a company that sponsored the football world cup and you know was also the sponsor of the indian cricket team 
to come down to this level? I think, you know, the, the problem and this is what we need to whittle it down to. When you are a provider of what is essentially supplemental education, and then there, there comes a point in time where suddenly you become the primary platform of education, which is what COVID turned all these people into, right? Because there is no input right. in contact. Right. And because of the limited competencies of teachers, of schools, or, you know, school management, etc., um, you have no other choice. And and then you realize, and this is the, the problem with a lot of tech companies that have petered out after the pandemic is that they had no long-term plan whatsoever because they were trying to solve problems that existed only in that brief moment in time, which was the pandemic. Um, and even then, they didn't solve a lot of those issues, right, Roshni? Oh, God. Yeah, they didn't solve it. They created new ones. Can we talk about White Hat Jr.? <laughs> My favorite. Okay, it's my favorite. Yes. Because White Hat Junior's ads are legendary. It, you know, I mean, uh, the Adver Advertising Standards Council of India is also shocked. Uh, I think this is back in 2020. They were really shocked because you have a, an edtech company that is trying to convince parents that your six-year-old needs to learn coding because, hey, there's a seven-year-old app developer who's become a TEDx speaker. <laughs> Please. So, um, White Hat Jr. gets pulled up for false and misleading advertising because uh, it puts up testimonials on its website, you know, saying, for example, you know, here's a kid who used White Hat Jr. and has built the world's first eye-testing app. And we have White Hat Jr. kids who are now working with Google and Waymo. Did Google and Waymo actually indulge in child labor and hire people who, who who studied from White Hat Junior? No, I'm sure they didn't because uh, when you know when stories came out about the misleading ads and you know the Adver advertising standards council of India pulling up the company, um, it, uh, we discovered that a lot of these quote unquote apps that were developed by kids on Google Play, for example. Uh, were actually registered in the name of White Hat Junior itself, which means that the company had developed the apps and not the kids. So, I mean, that 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 pretty much should tell you everything about what uh, what edtech turned into. You know, in, in the bit in the desperate bit to become relevant after you know your brief history or your brief point in time starts petering out you also end up becoming uh, what every other startup is becoming, which is an omni-channel business. So all these online platforms realize that for us to survive, we have to become glorified tuition centers. So they start expanding in quota and they start acquiring a lot of offline businesses. They start partnering with offline businesses. It's crazy and it becomes really obvious by now that edtech has not really solved for anything. And the real issues that are there in India right now in terms of access to learning and education itself and what education means for a large part of the population. So, you know, when I think of what's going on, first, I think it's obscene to see what Bejus has done, right? The kind of practices they mm -hmm. indulged in. For now, investors to suddenly grow a pair and decide that they have a conscience. Mm -hmm. Because it's not like they didn't know what was happening previously. 
accounts of bejus were not filed since 21 it's 23 so for mm-hmm. 2 years were these investors who were on the board sleeping or were they more than exactly. happy to condone everything as long as they were able to catch a bigger fool at a higher valuation so they could make money right that's typically how this is mm-hmm. worked and this is only symptomatic of the entire problem and i'm not surprised again that in another company which now has governance issues a uh, peak 15 formerly sequoia india finds itself at the middle mm-hmm. it's like how many are there now five of them trail uh bharat pay go mechanic uh zilingo uh-huh. which, uh huh zilingo and and now you've got bejus as well don't <laughs> rajreel don't forget the international granddaddy which is ftx <laughs> oh my god yes ftx how can i forget ftx right and that fawning block piece that was written about him yeah yeah so they have a horrible track record and um you know going beyond bijus and white hat junior which fyi uh, bijus acquired in 2020 despite knowing what a horrible reputation white hat already had by then um there is a complete bloodbath in the sector so an academy starts laying off people vedantu lays off people there's front row in vac metaversity um eruditus you know and companies also But in, i mean down. i won't count invact in this right invact is a very different uh, invact blew up for very different reasons Yeah, but Invact, okay, Invact is um, at the intersection of the metaverse, which is another failed. You can argue that it's whether it's failed or no, but I would say it is. But it's at the intersection of tech and the metaverse. So I, I think I would consider it uh, as you know being in in this category. But the larger point stands, right? I mean, companies like Uday and Superlearn, Lido Learning, all shut shop. and then you have uh, the general secretary of the students federation of india who sums it up very well and he says that what we are living through now is the utter commodification of education right because uh, predatory practices are so rife it ends up being brought up in parliament you have the government issuing issuing an advisory asking users to be cautious uh before they sign up for online courses and quote unquote do not click on the auto debit feature yes important <laughs> okay then um because of all the consumer complaints you know parents complaining and all the edtech sector sets up a self regulatory body called the india edtech consortium which we don't know where exactly it is going I think it was just an eyewash to stave off regulation and criticism, right? Pretend like you're doing something when you're doing nothing. Actually, I always point to it and say, "Of course, look at us. We have this. We are thinking about this. We are doing this. Don't come after us." We've pretty much established by now that you know everything that hinged on the uh, a COVID-centric strategy has gone completely bust. We are talking about edtech and digital India and connectivity, right? So this is from a Times of India report uh, earlier this year, right? India has one point two lakh schools that has just one teacher each. Fewer than one in four schools in India even have internet access. Okay, and in twenty nine states and union territories, less than half the schools have internet access. So I mean, of course, these are all different surveys, but the gist was that. 
internet connectivity is we are left wanting for internet connectivity in schools even if things are improving year by year um and we are especially left wanting when it comes to teacher support right now why is why is this important because if you are now having to move ahead in a market where you as an edtech company are no longer selling to the parent you now have to sell to teachers and school managements right because schools have reopened so how the hell are you going to make money okay because the customer acquisition cost of selling to a parent is increasing also because of you know intense competition um so now you have a lot of instances where a lot of these guys are trying to partner with schools and management right. etc and they're trying to convince teachers to use e-learning um platforms or services or whatever it is in their classes the problem is a lot of teachers are not even being trained the right way uh because that is the sad thing is nobody gives a shit about that right it's about selling the product you can argue that there is uh you know a tech would come into the picture here at least when it comes to supplementary support but how do you even implement it yeah now i'm glad you bring this question up that right? when you put things in perspective we're a nation of 1.4 billion people the most populous mm-hmm. in the world we have the highest proportion of young people and many of them need to go and get go to school go to colleges get access to good education when we look at india as a whole therefore there are multiple issues that crop up one is accessing education and the other one is getting access to quality education for a large number of people in this country vertical mobility becomes possible when they have access to good education which can lead therefore to better jobs and therefore better lives mm-hmm. right and this is where i think the role of edtech comes in it's trying to ensure that you are able to solve some of these challenges without trying to substitute one of the basic units of education which is the teacher like every time i look at these things that say oh we can you know we're going to substitute the teacher or your school that's not going to happen the school and the teacher are still going to be the basic unit in an education system what you need to do is supplement india has a huge tuition culture right when i was in school i'm sure when you did i went to like maybe three four tuitions for different subjects we are a deeply competitive country that's obsessed with grades because the number of educational institutions which are of high quality are limited the number mm-hmm. of seats that are there are limited so you have to kind of really work hard so on one end the supply of quality education is limited and accessing it is what a lot of these edtech companies promise whether it is getting better grades whether it is giving you test material and test preparations for mm. common entrance exams this is what edtech promises and what has unfortunately happened is edtech tried to commodify commoditize everything and tried selling the product to show sales than actually focus on the student or the learning outcome and that's where this entire problem started i look at physics ala for example right 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 but Rajneel sorry i have a question here okay yes shouldn't the function of edtech be to disrupt this dip- over dependence on tuition and grade you know hyper competitiveness for grade fulfillment if i can call it that like how are they what disruption are they doing you're right look if they're focused on learning outcomes if they're focused on trying to make the student experience better 
and a better learning environment, they could have disrupted it. But invariably, when you're when you're trying to force fit a business model that works, just because there's technology and digital, and you're going to move everything from offline to online, doesn't make it at mm. tech. Right? That's not technology. That's not innovation. Like Bejo's Bejo Ravindar was a celebrated uh, uh, tuition master. He used to have mm-hmm. uh, you know stadiums full of students. But just mm-hmm. because he got online doesn't mean it solved the problem, right? It in fact made yeah. the problem a lot worse. If, if, if anything. That's the story of tech, right? The problem with technologists and techno-optimists is that they think tech is the solution for everything and it is not. You know, even I as a techno-optimist would say that an app doesn't <laughs> solve all problems, right? It definitely doesn't. One of the things I've often wondered is we have seen how the government has come in and has bought about, let's say, UPI for payments, ONDC for commerce. There have been certain efforts in education, whether it's Swayam or Diksha. But this is something they really need to pick up and do because creating that bedrock, and we are seeing how when they've created digital infrastructure, it has been successful. Mm -hmm. Uh, ONDC, the verdict is still out there, but it seems like the adoption is high. So I think this is a challenge which needs private players, public players and government to come together and figure out how to solve it. So are you basically saying that, uh, a f- you know, full stack open source kind of um, an approach to education in India would perhaps work? Yeah, I think that's going to supercharge the uh, educational environment for sure. I think it's going to get a lot more quality players into the system. I think it's also going to create a lot of micro entrepreneurs. Right now, if you're looking at it, it's an aggregation of tuition centers, right? Why is it Absolutely. that? Yeah. So why can't tuition teachers who are star tuition teachers also actually make use of this tech to be accessible to a large number of students who may not be in the same city as you? These platforms are not mm. doing that anymore, right? That could actually change the system according to me. Of course, I can be... I'm super optimistic and there could be multiple variables into how this works. I don't run a net tech business. But yes, I mean, I think that's definitely one of the solutions that's going to be there. I honestly don't know what the future of Bejo's it's going to be. It seems like a company that's currently too big to fail. But then the one one trend I've seen with education and ed tech is that the biggest companies are the biggest fads and hypes and then they die down. If it is Bejus in this in this decade, there used to be an Educomp earlier, and that also petered out pretty quickly. I don't know if you remember Educomp. I don't actually, but you know, Rajneel, you know, World Bank right now is actually running a very interesting pilot. Okay, it's called the EdTech Readiness Index. Okay. Um, they are not doing it in India right now. Uh, I think they're doing it in Nepal and a bunch of other countries in Africa, like Niger and Sierra Leone. I think they're doing it in Vietnam as well. And, the pre- uh, you know, the prelim findings are pretty interesting in the sense that they've established six main pillars, right? That uh, they say that is required to build a robust tech system in these countries. I'm not going to get into the details, but one of the major things that they pointed out 
and which really segues into the internet connectivity issue that we have in india at least when it comes to our education system right what what the uh, edtech readiness index says is where connectivity is a challenge um, priorities uh, pr- you should prioritize and procure education platforms and content that can be used offline and i think Thanks. this is really fundamental and i think there's a very good platform that already does that it's called colibri okay um, in this india this is not an endorsement this is not an endorsement by the way uh, fyi but um i just like when i was researching this uh, i came across this thing called colibri and uh, it's not in india rajneel but i think it can be adapted to the indian context so that's a, remember you were talking about a full stack open source ecosystem this is essentially it okay. so this thing works on it can run on any device uh, it supports like syncing sharing self paced learning it ticks all the boxes and it is offline first nice and i think we need to consider that you know yeah um the fact that not everything needs to be contingent you know on an app or an os or the internet in general yeah. so. i think it has to be a hybrid model because i look at k to 12 for example that definitely has mm-hmm. to be offline and an online element could be added on top if we look at the college system mm-hmm. you will need to be attending college attending classes but then there could be a online layer on top but what tends to happen is because we live in this era of lifelong learning and even to get ahead in your mm-hmm. careers once you start working you may want to look consider upskilling for example doing additional courses uh learning additional tools we also now live in the age of ai where a lot of where our jobs could perhaps be replaced with ai where do you go and learn for that now that learning can exclusively be online for example i don't think you may have to go to a physical center for that so it depends upon the level and the stage but i think what's definitely the way forward is a hybrid model one where you are very mm-hmm. focused on student outcomes and student uh, learning where you are able to personalize the learning curve of every user or every student to understand mm-hmm. uh what are the unique needs of an individual and to be able to cater to that if you take a, yeah, a one size fits all then you are bound to fail i just want to kind of uh, tie a neat little ribbon metaphorical ribbon on this point that you made about you know one size should not fit all uh when i was looking looking up this subject i read this letter by a 10 standard kid that was published in the indian express okay. and it's a 10 standard kid from lucknow who just posts such a poignant uh you know piece on why she's so angry with the indian education system and one thing that really stood out to me and which makes me say that you know the kids are all right to quote her Indian schools utter disregard for social communication skills and leadership qualities has led to a generation of CEOs and no creators or innovators. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that because this is a girl who's telling us that the tuition approach to education is really wrong and we need to realize that getting the best grades does not a person make and I think that is where education needs to take us it's a very long journey but this person has identified what is wrong with it and we need a platform or we need an ecosystem that will that can build on this yeah you know throughout my education uh, i always felt like it was a test of my memory more than a test of my skill mm-hmm. and i i i got that quite a bit 
you know, I grudged that quite a bit. Uh, YouTube wasn't even there. And even physics wala wasn't there. So maybe if physics wala was there, things would have been very different. And it's one of the few success stories that come out of EdTech only because of a model that's focused on the student and a community that's able to help each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think the future will be going ahead. The word is still out and where Bejus will ultimately end up. Will it still continue to be the uh, ship with the hole in the bottom? Will it be the Titanic or will it implode like the Titania? We'll know, we'll know soon enough. With that, we come yeah. to the end of another episode of Tectonic Shift. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us. But before we end, we need to thank a few people who make this podcast possible each week. Our producers, Shorburi and Manaswini. I'm not going to thank us for research. On the editing, we have Manas and Nirvan, Purvika on the artwork, and BMG on the sound. If you like listening to this podcast, please don't forget to rate and review us on the platforms where you're listening to this. It will really help us. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to The Signal on www.thesignal.co. It's a daily newsletter. You will get a lot more news about Bear Juice as we track it. See you next week. Bye. Bye.